Friends, we made it. We've done it. We've gotten through it. There's the wrapping, the food, the family, the frantic spirit of the finishing line. We've got all these things. And now we're at Christmas morning. Christmas morning where we can put our feet up. Are your feet up? For those of you that are watching from home, are your feet up right now? I hope they are. Um, this season is so busy. It's so busy. And yes, it's all busy for the right reasons, right? It's a chance for us to connect and build relationships and we're getting presents for people, expressing love. But busy, busy is busy. And in many ways, the Christmas season is just an extension and an exaggeration of what is an already busy lifestyle that many of us experience every day. So are your feet still up? Have you slowed down? Or are you starting to think about the tasks of the day? Are you starting to move on to the next thing? Are you starting to hurry into the new year, feeling the sense of momentum that all of our society asks us to do, to go faster, faster, faster? You've got to keep going. It's hard for us to pause and actually just take a moment. It's hard for us to sit and slow down. So if you're feeling the rush, if you're feeling the rush to speed up and get on to the next thing, you're not alone. Um, the world we live in has somehow idealized, idolized busyness. Even now, as you're listening to me talk, your mind is already moving on to other things. It's just kind of how we're wired. Um, as I prayed about this message that I would share with you this morning, what stood out in my mind, one thing came through loud and clear, was the call for us to retreat with the Lord. Every Christmas, I sense God calling me home. Now, I don't, I don't mean Edmonton. I'm not going home to Edmonton. I mean back to him, back to the garden, back to Eden, back to his presence, his presence that reminds me that I can step outside of the rush and the constant hurry. I can step outside of time where I can sense God calling you and I, reminding us that he isn't actually interested in squeezing out every last drop of activity, work, and labor out of us, out of me. That God isn't interested in me performing for him. He's interested in me. And in the busyness of life, it is hard for us to recognize that. It's hard for us to slow down and hear God. Uh, one of my teachers in seminary, a pastor, speaker, and writer, Mark Buchanan, he makes a compelling confession um, in one of his books, the book, The Rest of God. And I think this is something that we need to hear today. This is what he says. Someone asked me recently what my biggest regret about my biggest regret in life. I thought a moment surveying the vast and cluttered landscape of my blunders and losses, the evil I have done and the evil that's been done against me. Being in a hurry, I said. Pardon? Being in a hurry. Getting to the next thing without fully entering the thing in front of me. I cannot think of a single advantage I've ever gained from being in a hurry. But a thousand broken and missing things, tens of thousands, 
lie in the wake of all that rushing. Through all that haste, I thought I was making up time. It turns out I was throwing it away. The Chinese joined two characters to form a single pictograph for the word busyness. Heart and killing. This is stunning. The heart is the place the busy life exacts its deepest toll. The message for us today, busyness chips away at your heart and soul. Busyness chips away at your heart and soul, but being present, presence, transforms and expands. That's, that's where I want us to go today. That's where I want us to reflect. And earlier on, in this morning, when we heard from Scripture, um, we heard the story of the Magi, the wise men. Now, there's lots of legends about who these men are, right? We have the picture of them on a camel. They've got their pointy hats or their crowns. There's this sense of mystery and wonder. And it's always three. And they're always walking on their own or they're with their camels. Um, it's, it's in our stories. It's in our songs. We love the legend of it. But in reality, it's very unknown, we don't know how many people there actually were. We don't know what Eastern nation they came from. And while it's likely that they were connected in some way to some other Jewish community, likely a, a community of Jews from within the Babylon area, we know that that could be the case. Um, but here's what we do know. We know that they were traveling from the East. We also know that when they arrived, it says that when they arrived... Um, that they were coming from the east, and that when they arrived in Jerusalem, they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? So the star that they saw, the star that they followed, that's something that they instinctively knew. They said this, that we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. So these are the things that we do know. They came from the east. They came to worship Jesus. They came because of the star that called them forward. Now, when King Herod heard all of this, you'd expect that he wouldn't have just, like, listened in, but that he actually would have sent some people with him. I always thought that was interesting, that he gathered people, found out the information, sends them away. Why didn't he send a couple of his guys with them to just check it out to be sure? Well, we don't really know, but what we do know is that for whatever reason— Nobody seemed to notice. Nobody seemed to care about this star the way that these three wise men or four wise men or an unknown amount of magi, that these people, everyone else didn't seem to notice, didn't seem to care. They didn't seem to have time to notice. What we, what we also know is that there was gold, frankincense, and myrrh, Right? Frankincense uh, likely represented Jesus as the high priest, right? Jesus as the high priest, the representative of the people to God, the one who would sit at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for God's people. Jesus as high priest. We also know that myrrh was often used uh, within um, embalming and within scents for, like, for graves and for death. 
So it points to the suffering of Jesus. It points to Jesus as the Lamb of God who was willing to sacrifice his own life. And then we have gold. Gold we know is fit for a king. And so we have these three gifts that are brought. So these are the things that we know. One of the things that's hidden throughout this story is that this is a story about the effect and the power of attention. So the shepherds, they were giving, given an, an angelic host, right? They were given this choir of angels, and that is hard to ignore. And then we have Mary. Mary was given a growing womb. Hard to ignore. But these magi, these watchers and waiters, they caught a subtle star in the sky. They could have missed it. They could have missed it and thought nothing of it, but they were paying attention. And in their attention, they saw what an entire nation failed to see. And it was that attention on the prophecies of God. It was that attention that led them all the way to the home of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. It was that attention that slowed them down long enough to actually see this beautiful precious gift, the gift of Jesus. Now, we know that life is busy. And the busy life, honestly, friends, the busy life causes us to miss the star. The hurried life does not have room for us to ponder the mysteries of God. Um, it's the unhurried life, the life willing to be present the life willing to be here and now, to slow down and be aware of God's kingdom all around us here, that they are the ones who are able to glimpse heaven, glimpse the kingdom. Um, we actually can learn from Mary. Um, we know that in Luke chapter 2, um, Luke 2 verse 18, uh, she says this, And all who heard it were amazed, and what the, what the shepherds were saying to them. So we had the shepherds. They were going out and announcing all of this. And it says this, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It's a good line. It's this perfect picture of a mom who, who recognizes, don't miss this moment. Treasure it. Ponder it. Allow it to enter deep into her heart. So that she can have that as a signpost throughout what would be a very difficult 30 years. A very difficult 30 years for any mom to witness the rise and then the deep fall and the deep tragedy of losing a son way, way too early. But she had the wisdom to treasure all these things and ponder them in her heart. There's, there's a subtle message in the entire nativity scene, in the entire nativity story. And when you, whenever you look at like a manger scene or with the little figurines, one of the things that they all have in common is that they're all looking down. They are all looking at baby Jesus. All eyes are focused downward on this one little baby who's doing nothing, right? We know this. Babies that young, they, they're just there. Their, their gift to the world is their own presence. 
The very fact that they are there is the gift. And all of these eyes are down and on baby Jesus, giving full attention to the baby, where the baby's giving nothing in return except coos and cries and sleeping and waking. And in this story with the Magi, we don't know how old Jesus was. It's possible that he was one, maybe even two years old. And so you can picture these three men or four men kneeling down and locking eyes with Jesus as they present these gifts. And it's in that moment that this child is also giving them the gift of his presence. That's the true gift of Christmas, that God would come into our world and choose to be present in our lives, in the mess, in the frustrations, that he would be present, that he would look and lock eyes with you and say, I see you, I care about you, I'm for you, I love you. And the invitation for us is to be present with our Lord and Savior. And that presence, being present with God, pushes back the busyness. It unlocks for us the gift of being able to see the kingdom that is at hand, the kingdom that is around us. Um, Mark Buchanan, he continues on in his thoughts regarding um, what it means to be busy. And he quotes another author, an author by the name of Wayne Mueller, who reflects, and I want to share this with you. He says this, I have visited the large offices of wealthy donors, the crowded rooms of social service agencies and the small houses of the poorest families. Remarkably, within this mosaic, there is a universal refrain. I am so busy. I am so busy. It does not seem to matter if the people I speak with are doctors or daycare workers, shopkeepers or social workers, parents or teachers, nurses or lawyers, students or therapists, community activists or cooks. Whether they are Hispanic or Native American, Caucasian or black, the more their lives speed up, the more they feel hurt, frightened, And this is the world that we find ourselves in. Despite all of their good hearts and equally good intentions, their work in the world rarely feels light, pleasant, or healing. Instead, as it all piles endlessly upon itself, the whole experience of being alive begins to melt into one enormous obligation. It becomes the standard greeting everywhere. And I'm sure we've all heard this. I am so busy. And then Buchanan continues on. He says this, and, and something dies in us. Too much work, the British used to say, makes Jack a dull boy. But it's worse than that. It numbs Jack, parches Jack, hardens Jack. It kills his heart. When we get too busy, everything becomes either a a trudge or a scramble, the doldrum or sheer mayhem. We get bored with the familiar, threatened by the unfamiliar. Our capacity for both steadfastness and adventure shrivels. 
We just want to be left alone. One measure for whether or not you're rested enough, uh, besides falling asleep in a board meeting, is to ask yourself this. How much do I care about the things I care about? Let me say that again. How much do I care about the things I care about? This is, this is the invitation today. It's, it's Christmas Day. Keep your feet up and choose to just take this moment to look around and to see, see it in the neighbors, see it in the trees, see it in the lights, see it in the presents that are strewn around, see it in anything that there is the kingdom at work. Don't rush on to the next thing. But be present with the Lord and give your attention. Give your attention to baby Jesus who in this moment is offering nothing but those wandering eyes that sometimes lock in as a baby does. So I would encourage you to consider who can you be with? Who can you be present for right now? And as you're present with them, it pushes back the busyness. And it allows us to be present with each other. You could try this. It's just like a simple activity today. That in your busyness, in the day that you're going to have, that you would just stop, look, listen, notice things, and then name those things. As busyness starts to like get going in your heart and in your mind, just decide, okay, I see this, name that thing, and then praise God. I love the Christmas story because it pulls all of these unique characters together. They all slow down and they all put their attention on Jesus. Here's the miracle, that when we put our attention on Jesus, he expands our hearts and our lives. We might fight with like gripped fists to try to make our lives better and stronger, but the truth of the matter is, is when we let when I let Jesus be my everything, and when I give him all of my attention, he starts to make space in my heart for other people, for more, for generosity, for creativity, for care and compassion, for, for the work and the call that he has for me to do, that he has for all of us to do. But when my eyes go off Jesus, when my gaze isn't down in the manger, it becomes fretting, it becomes worry, it becomes anxiousness. And in this Christmas season where busyness is just everywhere and we're invited to hurry on to the next, slow down. Make space for baby Jesus. Let me pray. Gracious Lord, we come to you this morning and we, we might feel rushed to get on to the next thing, to move past this moment, but God, you are a God of the present. You're the God of right here and now. And Lord, I know that there are some of us that are hearing this message right now and we need to be reminded that you see us here, that you're not looking for, us, looking for something in the future, but you just want to be with us right now. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to, to, see, to see the star, to keep our eyes open to give attention to you, to be present with you as a way for us to push back the busy, the busy that steals and corrodes. 
But Lord, being present with you expands and transforms. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, friends.